0: This podcast is sponsored by Wakunaga of America, makers of Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract, Kyodophilus Probiotics, and Green Powdered Drink Mix, all natural, healthy solutions to support your whole body well-being. Try their new Kyodophilus Pro Plus Symbiotic, prebiotic and probiotics together for better gut health. Kyo means strength. Live a Kyo life. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. so glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy. If you've listened to the show before, you know I've mentioned my mother. It'll be 26 years this year since she passed. And I remember it was only maybe a month after she passed. And I remember this guy, I didn't really know very well from the gym, told me I should be over it by now. And I thought, what is wrong with people? Number one, in my opinion, you don't get over it. You get used to it. And number two, it's so fresh at that point. That's just like, I felt like he punched me in the gut and it was just terrible. And I feel like in our culture, we just don't know how to deal with grief. We just try to shut people down and instead of really letting them feel how they feel. So I'm thrilled to have the wonderful David Matthews on the show. He is a grief expert. He and his wife, Debbie, founded the wonderful Spark of Life. They offer meaningful support through four-day virtual and in-person retreats, grief coaching, grief recovery courses, and workshops. David, welcome to Naturally Savvy.
1: Oh, thank you, Lisa. I love what you've already said about grief, and I'm so sorry for what that, that guy said to you. We hear that story all the time.
0: I was about to ask. I bet that was not unfamiliar.
1: No. it. You know, we've had probably about 1,600 people come to three-and-a-half-day retreats uh, since 2009, uh, and that is what we hear all the time. Uh, and you said it, in the Western culture in which we live, we do a pretty sucky job of <laughs> sucky grief, right? Yes. Uh, and we try to fix people. And so what we with the people that come to our retreats and take our courses and grief coaching and all that that we offer, we keep hearing um, what you just said. And you described it so well and it was so healthy, of course, you felt like you have been punched in the gut. Man, that, that's expressing what's really in there with you, and that's so good. I like that because most people, they think they have to be nice to people, right? Because most of the right. people that come to our retreats, and I'm all for being nice, but your recovery, in, and we're going to f- define recovery later, what we mean by that, it's up to you. It, you're in charge, and we want to empower people. We believe people have the power within themselves, they just don't realize it many times, to have a healthy recovery, living with their pain, not getting over it, I hate that, we hate that expression, getting through it with your pain, and in a way you'll always grieve, but we don't want that grief to be debilitating uh, to other relationships that are important to people, to you. And so we deal with people who believe there's something wrong with them because of things like what other people say, or comparing their losses to others and their, their, their grief journey to others. It's such an individual journey it, and it has to be individual, but you also need help. You know, grieving alone all the time, is probably not healthy. Uh, grief, being alone sometimes is healthy, right? But not all yes. the time. And so at Spark of Life, we've learned people need to be empowered to take charge of their own recovery at their own pace because nobody's walked in their shoes. I don't care if two people have exactly the same loss. It is not the same loss because the relationship they had with what they lost or who they lost is totally unique and uh, it's individualized. And so when people realize there's nothing wrong with them, when they really buy into that, that I'm grieving and grieving is natural and normal and healthy. It sucks. I hate it. I wish you know we could just do away with it, but if we do away with grief, we do away with caring and with love. So we can't we can't act as if we're not grieving or that something's wrong with me. If I'm a faith person, we get this all the time. There's something wrong with my faith because I feel so bad. And we have people from no faith, deep faith, different kinds of faith, different kinds of God. Uh, we're faith people and we welcome faith people, but we also welcome unfaith people uh, because they teach us so much. We we need each other, no matter what your background is. And grief is the great unifier. Absolutely. (laughs) It's the great unifier. I really don't care what politics you have, what religion you have or don't have. Uh, That is so individual, so personal, but grief unifies people. And I could tell you story after story of people who are from opposite ends of the extreme of whatever who who do this. They come together and they help each other. It's a beautiful experience. And, you know, when I, I get emotional about the work we do because uh, we meet the best people in the world. Because, you know, grievers are usually not full of pride. They're broken, right. you know. They're broken, and uh, we just love the work we do. We hate the situation. We always say, we, we, we're so grateful we met you. We just wish it would have been under different circumstances.
0: Exactly. When did you first get into grief work?
1: Well, I was a minister by trade um, for years and years, So, and I always had a counseling heart. And I went back to school when I was 40 to get a master's in, in counseling uh, because I did so much counseling with, with people in grief. And it was just overwhelming. It was almost weekly. And, and you know, my first funeral I ever conducted was a, uh, a 13-year-old got killed by lightning with his daddy standing right by him. That was oh, my gosh. first uh, exposure as a 20-something-year-old kid who didn't have a clue oh, what he was doing. Uh, but it just went from there, and it just kept going. And then you had the non-death losses. You had divorce. You had people hurt by other people you had abuse sexual abuse uh dealt with that so much and 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 in our life uh with uh almost a weekly a weekly thing for years somebody would be in my office sharing a sexual abuse experience that they had never told anybody all that stuff and then our grandson Josiah died in 2007 and uh, that was uh, our, uh, we wanted to do something different than working for a church. We, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying uh people are hurting so badly out there and we saw it. And and so then when Josiah died, it just propelled my wife and I to say, uh I do not think Josiah died so that we could do spark of life. I don't buy into that philosophy. He died because, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. It, You know, people, there's accidents, there's disease, there's things that happen. And so I don't think, you know, some power in the sky made Josiah die so we could do Spark of Life. And somebody might disagree with that. That's okay. That's not us. But we wanted to take what happened and then do something with it. We already knew the power of intensives, three-day intensives. We had been working with an organization called Marriage Helper, which is phenomenal to this day. We still work with them but they do marriages, uh, marriage workshops for marriages in crisis, deep crisis. And we've been working with them uh, for many years and sending people in marriage crisis to this organization. We saw, and it's three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we saw what three days, when people are, are kind of away from their normal life, that they can focus on maybe an issue or a problem. And we saw enormous, incredible results in three day intensives and then long-term change. It it wasn't just three days of a high. It was three tough days, but then we saw people uh, get better in their marriages and, and the success rate was over 70%. And we knew a lot of these couples personally, deep friends of ours, good friends of ours that had just terrible marriages and so we knew three-day intensives could work for the long term, not just for three days. So we applied some of those principles, and we applied it to uh, to grief. And, uh, of course, we started out doing uh, in-person retreats at fabulous locations. I mean, we wanted to treat each person like a king and queen. There's wow. a line in the movie, Hoosiers. I don't know if you're familiar with Hoosiers. but it, It's been it's, a while. Well, but yeah. yeah, it's been a while, but... Everybody deserves to be treated like a king for fifteen minutes, okay? Because uh, anyway, it's too long a story to go into. It. But I love that statement. And so, in grief, people come. We call it battered and bruised. They're they're obviously battered by the loss of maybe the dearest on earth to them. Uh, they're and then they're battered by other people that mean well and that don't help them. And 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 and. and and so they think something's wrong with them. So when they come to a retreat, we honor them. We take their bags in. We have beautiful rooms for them. We have a great food, great food. We bring in a chef. Uh, we serve them for the weekend. They can't even take their plate to the kitchen sink, right? They oh, wow. and and stubborn people come to our retreats. They think they got. To
0: leave. <laughs> They're like fighting over. Give
1: me the plate. I'll bring it in. And we've had we've had so many stories, and and we have fun with it, but. Then they leave the retreat with hope, and, and see they, they can find hope. We don't. Right. It's not that we give them hope. We encourage them, but they have the power within them to to take what's happened, uh, to grieve it, and and grieve it deeply. In no time frame, for you know how you grieve, or how deeply you grieve, uh, you're forever changed. But you do not have to let it debilitate the rest of your life. And what is the difference between people who have horrific loss and, and, and never, never what we call get out of that pit of grief and those that, that slowly get out of that pit of grief forever changed and still with their grief, but now they're living productive, happy, purposeful, meaningful lives? Right. Is there a difference? Yes, there's a big difference. Yes and you know and we have seen it we've seen people on the verge of give up uh, our last retreat was two weeks ago and we had a lady who lost three children at, in the last five years a six-year-old then two 20-something year olds all different occasions different situations. It's crazy and uh she came to that retreat and friday we start thursday nights and then friday she went to the depths probably even darker which is normal i mean it's, it's just normal and then she started smiling a little bit on Saturday. And then Saturday night, we had a big old party. You know, we had a cookout. It was a beautiful day in Colorado. It was gorgeous. And we're at this fabulous place. And we're laughing. We're telling jokes. we're you know, And she's laughing along with everybody else who had terrible losses as well, everybody there. But the, the group bonds together. And then by Sunday, she wants to help spark. She, she wants to help others who are grieving. Now she has a purpose beyond herself, right? Taking what's happened. You, you, I'm sure you're that type of person, I can already tell, and, oh. and then living yeah. forward. We call it living forward, not existing forward.
0: Right. Now, I don't want you to give your secrets away, what you okay. do at the retreat, but if you I could just mind. give us a, just a little bit.
1: Well, we've we got a lot of help from a lot of different people in the grief world, different uh, programs, different books. Uh, I've read everything I could read on it, my own ex- our own experiences, the marriage helper system of three days what they do there. And basically our goal is to create a safe place where you know you can come in and be yourself. You don't have to put on the airs. We don't care what you wear. We don't care what you say. Uh, we'd prefer you not dropping the F-bomb every other word, right? But, but if somebody does, it's okay, right? It's okay. Uh, we don't judge anybody. And, and by when you're together in a group and they feel the safety and they can say anything they want to say, and uh, nobody's really ever gotten out of bounds. Uh, you know, we've done 113 of these, and nobody's ever gotten really out of bounds. Uh, first retreat we had, this uh, 23-year-old had lost a, a daughter. She, had, she, I think she lived 18 days. The daughter, her and her husband, just sweetest couple. She came in there and said, "If this is a, if this is a blanky blank religious retreat, I'm out of here because I hate God. And if if that bothers somebody, so be it." I said. No, you have every right to how you feel, <laughs>
0: what you think. That's See, that's good to hear, because I think you have to let people just be where they are, right? Meet them where they are. I think it's huge.
1: It's huge. And see, if and we start off Thursday night saying uh, we give a few ground rules, and one of the ground rules is uh, we're not here to fix you, because we don't think, number one, you need fixing, you need to grieve. Number two, we don't have the power to fix you. We're screwed up, too. We're all messed up. And so, if you're here to be fixed, you're in the wrong place. Well, that kind of lets everybody. Okay, good. Nobody's trying to fix me, because most of their friends and some of their family have tried to fix them by saying the right words at the funeral, uh, by sending cards with you know advice that's unsolicited. It just doesn't help, right? No, it it doesn't help. So, and we're leaving tomorrow to do a grief workshop at at some church in Kentucky. And in uh, Saturday, and they'll, they'll be probably half the people will be from the community. And it's just amazing what happens. And so I say, if y'all want to know how to help grievers, it's the fourth session. I said, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know to help grievers. Get out your pens and your notebooks, write this down. Shut up and be there. There you go.
0: I'm so glad you said that because I was about to ask. I was about to say, people say things that they think they're helping, but they're not. What are some of the things that you absolutely should not say to somebody who's grieving?
1: I know how you feel. Never say it, even if you both lost a -a three-and-a-half-year-old boy with the same name. See, you don't know how they feel. You might know how they feel better than I do if you have a similar loss, but really you don't because it's so different uh, never say, I know how you feel. Never compare it to your loss. It's not about your loss at the moment. Don't say, I understand because I lost my mother last year or my, my son two years ago, because you don't understand. And I know you're trying to help, but you don't understand what works for you might not work for them anyway. So never say, I understand, never give unsolicited advice. So in Arkansas, where we lived for 20 years, we live in Nashville, Tennessee now. But what, where we lived, it was the kind of the tradition that you'd wait in line to go into the funeral home for the visitation, and the 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 grievers would be by the casket, and so you'd wait in line and go. And we started doing this in 09, and we finally learned to shut up and be there. And so, and then you hear all the people say things as they go by, right? And 98% of it is just not helpful. I mean, the the what we know from what grievers have taught us and what we ourselves are grievers. Uh, okay, I love you is okay if you really love them. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That hurts some people, but okay, that's okay too. That's about it.
0: Don't say they're in a better place. I hate when people say that. It might help in the long run if you believe
1: they're in a better place, but not not then... Uh, God won't give you more than you can handle is the number one thing that grievers have told us they've heard that drives them crazy. So if you're a sexual abuse survivor and somebody says, well, God won't give you more than you can handle, that means God gave it to you, which means God's a monster. So that is the number one myth that grievers have told us. The other is what you've already said. Uh, they're in a better place. At least they're not suffering. Uh, uh, at least they had a long productive life. At least you had them for so long. Uh, uh, if you've lost a handicapped child or, or, or a loved one to Alzheimer's or dementia, uh, I, I'm sure you must feel relieved that you don't have to take care of them anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, please don't say that. Uh, please don't try to fix them, and never give advice. Don't even if, if you if, if they're God people, don't quote scripture to them. Don't say, I'm, I'm, you know, all that stuff. Some of it could be true from their belief system and yours. Sure. But it doesn't help. Okay. I wouldn't, I, I, when we send cards to people that's lost somebody, I just say, we love you. I'm so sorry. We love you. And, and if, it, you know, I used to send cards with scripture on it to people that I knew were faith people. But see, that's giving advice. That's that's basically teaching them, I know some of your listeners might disagree with this, but that's basically saying if you only had a greater faith, you wouldn't feel so bad.
0: Right. No, I totally agree with that. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I don't think people, I hadn't really thought of that.
1: Yeah, I know most people don't. And by the way, people are good people that
0: make dumb mistakes. Except for that dummy who told me I should be over it. I don't <laughs> think he meant well. He was like, what's wrong with you? I'm so glad to hear you say that. That's yes. So cool. I'm curious if people ever go for their pets because I have a dog, Blue. I think people belittle the loss of a beloved pet. Yeah. And that unconditional love you get, do you have people who come? Because I will be there. When Blue goes, I'm going to be a complete and utter wreck.
1: Uh, we have a, a, a grief uh, dog uh, a, a golden retriever called roxy she's a ptsd trained dog she goes to our retreats um she comforts people
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh one of uh, a, a woman who lost her mother came to one of our retreats and she raises uh, uh, service dogs and trains service dogs for all kinds of, of bad stuff she and she told us you you need this dog you need a service dog everybody here has trauma so she gave us that gift, about a $20,000 dog, two years of wow. training. Yeah. She gave Spark of Life that gift. When Roxy dies, if I'm still alive, I'll need a retreat. I'll need you to call me down off the ledge, as it were. Okay? Yes. So yes, people have come. Most people, we, we've we had a few have come as, as their primary, or one of their losses. We make a big deal about that. I, I've done a YouTube video on about the loss of a pet. It's... Uh, you know, we're just getting started with YouTube videos and we hope you go to our, uh, our sparkoflife.org website and, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. But, it's, but we've had a lot of hits on that one, when you bad. lose a pet. How, how do you get through losing a pet? And one of the things is don't apologize for feeling bad when you lose a pet. To some people, some people have nobody else that loves them except their pet. They're all alone in this world. That's why we don't compare losses. So uh, we've, had, we've had people who lost a good husband who had a 45-year you know, marriage, um, great marriage, great husband, and she, she came to a retreat. And we had four other families who had lost somebody to suicide. And she didn't think she needed to be at the retreat because she had a good situation, a normal loss, but see, she's still grieving. And the person who lost an eighteen-year-old son to suicide was her partner. We break up in smaller groups too, and and they grew to love each other. And the one with the uh, the suicide loss was comforting the one with the good loss. If that makes sense. Same sure. thing with a pet. So. And this is something why we mix losses, not on purpose. Anybody who applies and they get in in time, they come, right? It doesn't matter what your loss is. So we've had people who didn't think they needed to be here because their losses were not as bad as somebody else's. Now, look, uh, the lady who's lost three kids, she's had greater loss than Dave Matthews, right? But it's a mistake for me, and I wouldn't trade places with her, but it's a mistake for me to compare my losses to her and say I don't have a right to feel bad, because somebody has lost three kids and I only lost a grandchild. Okay, that, that's crazy thinking, but a lot of people think that. So we, don't, we make a big deal about not comparing losses. So if you come for a loss of a pet, you have a right to be there. You're not saying that pet is worth more than the lives of 10 children who died in a bus, right? You're not saying that. What you're saying is that hurts you and you're in deep grief. So you come on when you lose blue. I hope it'll be many years. He's only 6. And our dog's 6, turning 6 in January, Roxy. We're going to we're going to need help.
0: Yeah, well we can do it together. I think it's really great that you have people who have all different types of loss working together. And you yeah. mentioned that the partner, so do the people divide into groups and do they share or how does some of that work?
1: Well, we, we meet in a big group with everybody and then we five different times during the weekend we break up in a smaller group and that we don't have time for everybody to share two hours of their law story, right? Uh, It's just not enough time. So, and and then some people will never share uh, deep stuff in the big group, but in the small group of two or three, and we, we usually break up men and women and we two or three, a minimum of two, a maximum of three, and they do some, that's where the power is. I mean, the big group's important. The smaller group is vital because things come out in a small group. And see, they could, they could have, they could have laws, see, all losses in context of other losses. That's why we have everybody do their loss journey. And, and, and so there is writing to be done. They, there are assignments they do at night. And then they share those assignments in their small group and when okay so let's say uh, I, I lost a child to suicide and i'm 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 pissed at the child <laughs> i don't right? i don't like to say that out loud no, but you have you, to be honest you've got to be honest or the husband who dies of a heart attack and never goes to the doctor right see i get mad just thinking about that i, I know it yeah and so if you don't get that emotion out or if you're if you're pissed at God or hate God, and they say, well, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't hate God. I should have a greater faith. No. Uh, lament in Scripture is very powerful and real. And so you, you have really great faith people who say, I'm pissed at you, God, and I don't like what you've done or didn't do, and I demand an answer. That's in Scripture. And so that's a big deal. So the small groups are so important because when people break up in their small groups, And we instruct people how to listen as a heart with two ears, two eyes, and a nose, no mouth. You can see them, smell them, and hear them. Don't you say anything. So when they share, you know, I'm really pissed at God, you don't interrupt. Oh, you shouldn't feel that way about it. No, you shut up and be there. So we teach them how to listen. It helped marriages, by the way. If, if marriages, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I had to learn to stop giving my wife unsolicited advice, my number one flaw. And it's a big one. And I've really worked on that. But see, it's, it bleeds over into the grief. It bleeds over in every relationship. Give people the right to have their feelings and their emotions and don't try to change them or fix them. Accept them as they are. So when the, the person says, I hate God, and the group just sits there, the, the two in her group sits there, and after she's through, they say, would you like a hug or uh, would that be permissible? If, if not, say no. If so, say yes, and then you hug them. What you're doing is validating all their emotions as being normal and okay. You're validating. Huge. And then they start to think maybe something's not wrong with me.
0: Naturally Savvy Podcast is sponsored by Morphous for Menopause. Right. Do you give them skills to help like when they go home and they're going to deal with people who say things and to say, listen, this is, you know, I'm allowed to have my feelings and I know you're trying to help, but it isn't helpful or something like that. Or I hear you, but can you please just listen and, you know.
1: We even go over that. There's a section, a session that we go over how to respond to idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, who care for you? And sometimes, uh, so do you have a right to break off a relationship if somebody is toxic? Of course you do. You're in charge of your own recovery. You are in charge. Do not let other people set timeframes for you or dictate to you how you should be, even if you're a husband and a wife lost the same child give each other permission and the right to grieve the way they need to grieve. Yes, we can help each other. That's what we try to do and, and give some encouragement and some, some really helpful tools for people. But they even have to do an anchors to sales. We call it anchors to sale on Sunday afternoon. We, we usually end about 12 noon on Sunday. And one of the last things we do is affirmations of each other, which is powerful. But right before that, we do anchors to sales sales, you have to write down one thing you're going to do when you get home that you haven't done that you need to do in your healthy recovery, uh, or you need to do better. And you need to write down that one thing, and then a deadline date about when you're going to do that. And then uh, you can share it with our group, you know, through our email group, you can share it that Uh, one of the first guys who had lost a teenage daughter said uh, about six months after she had died in an accident, he said, I've never gone into my daughter's room. Mm -hmm. I need to go into my daughter's room and sit on her bed. I can't go in there and I need to do that. And then the wife, we need to go through her things. That's very common in a death loss. And so then, you know, we say, Okay, if you need some help before you do that, it's okay. So if you're afraid to do that, email the group saying, hey, I need y'all's prayers or your thoughts or your encouragement because tomorrow I'm going into my daughter's room. That unites the whole group again, right? And this might be six months after the retreat. Uh, we have trigger dates that we, we share so that, that group, if it's a trigger date for you, like your anniversary, if you lost a spouse, or the birthday of somebody you lost, or divorce date, it could be your divorce date. Uh, then the group emails them that day, and we make a big deal. Don't try to fix them. Don't right. forget that. Just say thinking about you, praying for you today, and love you. Right stuff like oh, that. I love that keeps the group connected. And so we we had a Spark of Life reunion cruise. A couple of years ago, right before COVID, we had 30-something people come from all over. Uh, Some of them came from retreat number five. And and at that time, we'd done like 90 retreats. Uh, We had people from, and we asked, what's the number one thing that carried with you after the retreat? And some of them came in 2009 and 10, 11, 12, you know. And they said, knowing it's all right to have bad days or weeks, even years later. Oh yeah. Giving yourself permission, it, you think you're doing well and then you hit a wall and you go down. That's the nature of grief, right? And it's it's amazing when when you have you put in people's mind, I have the right to have a crappy week 9 years after I lost my son or my daughter or my husband, right? Or if it's a sexual abuse survivor, we've had lots of those and it's all right to be angry at the perpetrator. It's all right. To, and, 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 and you don't have to reconcile with people who are toxic, right? And so, and it's all right. And they, We work on forgiveness and forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. Sometimes I have to forgive somebody who died, right? But right. It, I can have negative emotions even later and it's okay. It doesn't mean you're hard-hearted or you haven't forgiven. It just means that, your emotions are real and somebody hurt you and it's okay to have those emotions. And so people, when they get permission in their brain, I'm, there's not something wrong with me because I still have these emotions. It's okay. And so, okay, go to the pit, visit the pit, go to the pit. Don't let it debilitate the rest of your life, but get, grieve. Go be by yourself. Go cry. Go start yelling at a tree. Throw a rock at. Do whatever you need to do that's healthy and not harmful to others. And, and, and it's amazing when you give yourself permission to do that, you don't stay in it. You stay in it longer when you try to suppress those feelings. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so powerful. And, and it's simple, isn't it? I mean, it's not simple when you're grieving, but it's a simple concept. Yeah.
0: You know, the thing I've heard that's so difficult is when a couple loses a child and that the partners will deal differently, uh-huh. and that it can put a real wedge in there, oh, or yes. just the pain of looking at your partner, and they look like you're, you know, they bring back all these. Have you had a lot of couples come in who've lost? Because I've heard that's just, I can't even imagine, I mean. Yeah.
1: Yes, we have. We, we, probably 60% of the people who come have lost a child or a grandchild. Some people are raising their grandchildren, when they've lost grandchildren. Uh, even if you're not raising them, it hurts because we've been through that because uh, you're grieving for your child and your grandchild. Um, yeah, we've had that quite a bit. The, one of the greatest stories, <laughs> we had a couple that had lost a, a child in a motorcycle accident and also lost his fiancee who was like a daughter to them. Uh, long story, I won't go into it, but they came and on Thursday night, we just said, we're not here to fix you. Uh, please don't compare losses. Everybody needs to be here. If if you happen to be a married couple and you lost a child, we had like three couples had lost a child at that retreat. And I just said, if, you, if, if that uh, is where you are, uh, it's all likelihood you've probably tried to force on the other your way of grieving. And, and everybody has to grieve differently. And I just said, many times, if they're faith people, some one of them wants to go back to church early and the other one never wants to go back to church. I just gave that as an example. I had no idea that affected this one couple. The next day, this guy came to me before breakfast, and we're in Alaska. And he goes, uh, uh, "My wife and I could leave right now, and this retreat would be worth it." And we had barely started. It, you know, we just had that introductory meal and, and Thursday night. And I said, "Well, you could leave right now, and it'd be worth it." He said, "Yeah, it's changed everything." I said. Well, tell me what we did so that we can reduce the retreats to one night (laughs) and solve everybody. And he said, well, you said one of you wants to go back to church and the other doesn't. Since Ben died, he said uh, the first Sunday after we buried him, I'm getting up. We hadn't missed a church service in 30 years. And I'm getting ready for church. My wife's still in bed. And and he says, you got to get up. We got to go to church. She said, what do you think you're doing? He said, I'm going to church. We're going to church. He said, I ain't going to that church. He said, yes, you are. And they had a big fight about it. And uh, so he told me all this. And then he said, so I made her go because I'm an idiot. I said, yeah, you're an idiot. All right. You made her go. And then he said, uh, and on the condition that they go five minutes late, they sit on the back pew and they leave five minutes early. So that's what well, we've been doing. I said, well, at least you gave in to that. But you got to let her grieve the way she needs to grieve. And he said, I know. So last night we went back to our cabin and I, I took my bride. They've been married all these years. He's so funny. He said, I took my bride's hand and I said, honey, I apologize to you. You don't ever have to go to church. That's up to you. I had no right making you go. I am so very sorry. She comes in Friday morning, and I wish my wife was here to give the validation of this. Her face was glowing on Friday morning. She was changed from Thursday night to Friday on one point. Somebody tried to, somebody stopped trying to fix her. Her husband finally did this. You grieve the way you want to. It's okay if you never want to go to church again. Now, you know, you can argue all day about people should go back, listen. There's nothing very magical about sitting your butt on a pew if your heart's breaking and you don't want to be there. Now, can something happen and help you? Of course it can, but I don't have the right to tell people you need to do this. Let them discover it. Now, later, you know, somebody, her friends could try to encourage her that, you know, that's that's a different story. But you get what I'm saying? Right, absolutely. It's not about whether you should go to church or not.
0: No, I mean, it's anything. We used to always go to the farmer's market, and it could be like, I don't want to go to the farmer's market. Exactly. Maybe you went with your son all the time, or he reminds yep. you of, like, what, yeah, whatever it is. Exactly. absolutely. And you have to give that person space. I think that's what's hard, because you, you feel like, well, why aren't they grieving like me? Yeah. Why aren't they jumping back into things or why are they, you know, yeah. so upset or why can't we just talk about it? Maybe one of the couples, I can't talk about our child. And the other one's like, I need to process, right? Absolutely. How do you do in that situation? Would, would you recommend them go to therapy or, or obviously something that you're doing, that kind yeah. of thing?
1: I would them, recommend them going to a spark retreat or grief coaching with people who really understand. Now, there's some great grief therapists out there. I do a lot of that without my shingle on the wall uh, or my, my, you know, uh, but so we, it's coaching. Uh, but yes, uh, they, they need to understand it's okay for somebody not to want to talk about it. The more I try to get somebody to talk about it, the less they'll talk about it. What I need to do is create a safe place where uh, my wife, she doesn't need my permission to do anything. And when I say give permission, I'm talking about an emotional thing uh, that I'm. She can. She if she doesn't want to talk about it, it's fine. And so, if if I create safety and if she creates safety, if we if we accept each other as we are, people are more likely to talk. So in a husband and wife situation who loses a child, often uh, one cries more than the other. It's not always the, the woman who cries more than the man. It's not always that way. We've had it just the opposite. Women tend to express their emotions more easily. But that's not a rule. Or, you know, There's so many exceptions to that. Uh, so I almost hate to say it. But a typical thing might be a woman uh, being more emotional than the man just bucking up and going to work, right? And she said, "How could you go to work?" And he says, "Well, how can I not go to work? What else am I supposed to do?" right That, that type thing. but yeah, and, and so the big thing is give each other the right to breathe the way they want to, and then, yeah, sometimes you can talk about it. but we've had men who's, who, who were dragged to a retreat by their wives, West Texas, cowboys) <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they said they will never come to a retreat. So these two women, they'd each lost a child and they were friends. They came to a retreat. They said, Can we come back if we get our husbands? This has helped us so much. They need to be here. And I said, Well, don't force them, but just use your womanly wiles to get them to come. <laughs> so they, they came, you know, griping and grumping. They were hilarious, these two guys. When they got to their small groups, they were like, wept. And on the final day of affirmations, these, you you affirm people in your small group, these, these, these big old tough guys were in different small groups because they were friends. So we didn't want them in the same group. And so they're affirming the other guys in their group crying and they get up and hugged in front of the whole group crying. And the two women were like, they were astounded that their husbands showed emotion, but see, they were in a safe place. Yes. And what's, what is said in that small group stays in that small group. So their wives aren't going to know anything that's said in that small group unless the husbands tell them.
0: And it's such a turning point. Excuse me, you still have the grief, but if you hold on so tight to that oh, yeah. emotion and not let yeah. it out, it just eats you up. Yeah,
1: yeah, so good. It's so true. It's so true. Man, we can talk all day on this.
0: I know. You're amazing. Well, I'm so into people who do the, the work that you do is is incredible. So, I, I said in the beginning that you have online courses, virtual co- coaching, virtual and in-person retreats. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I think this is incredible. You know, I still feel like I haven't fully grieved. So, after my mom passed, six months later, my grandfather, who was her father, who was like the most wonderful man ever, yeah. passed. And then... Six months after that, a seven-year relationship ended. And then a few oh. months after that, my dad remarried. My mom Stay. and dad were married at the time. But it was still, it was just hard. It was just too much. And I, I lived for a long time, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, first yeah. my mom, then my grampy, then Mark, then my dad, then, then you know. It just took yeah. a long time to, like, trust, you know, that okay. things were going to just stable, get stable. It was such a terrible time.
1: It's so good that you mentioned all that. It's, you know, accumulation, uh, grief, accumulation.
0: Yeah. Um
1: it's like your your dad remarrying, did you say? Um see that's a that's a loss. It could be something even you're in favor of and it could be a loss. Uh one of the definitions that really helped us, uh grief is when you're situa- when common behaviors or common habits change, uh you have conflicting feelings and it could be something you want to do and that can be a loss. So I preached for 40 years, and I had this rhythm of a week of, of building up to Sunday and then crashing on Monday uh, because I, I spoke, you know, every week. And I was very passionate about what I did, and it, I was drained on Monday. And then I, we quit working for a church, which we wanted to do, not slamming any church, just we wanted to do this grief work. Uh, with Spark of Life, and we needed to be full-time in Spark because the demands are so overwhelming. And so, uh, you know, six weeks into this, and we're doing retreats, and we're going over all this, and I'm saying, what is wrong with me? And and Debbie said, I think we teach people that a change in a familiar pattern of behavior means that you're uh, grieving. Right. (laughs) And so, if your parents divorce, even if you want them to divorce, maybe it's toxic or... If you change jobs, if you move from one town to another, if you even move from one house to another, it can be a huge loss for you. Getting married can be a loss because you're you're in a different environment and it's it's a change in a familiar pattern behavior. So losses can be positive and you want to do it, but it's still a loss. And there's right. a grieving thing. When you recognize that, it, it makes you say, well, maybe I'm not crazy. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I wanted my dad to die. He had Alzheimer's for 10 years. Uh, but when he died, I was glad. Then I felt guilty that I was glad. I had mixed emotions. And then I missed him. I missed... But see, we had grieved dad's death uh, of who he was as Alzheimer's progressed. And anybody that's lived that knows what I'm talking about. Those are all losses. Even while he's alive, it's a loss. So, divorce is a huge loss. Kids going off to college is a loss. Retirement is a loss. Uh, a change of health, believe me, is a loss. Right? You can't do the things you used to do. Um, so many non death losses that we don't categorize as loss, when we, we can recognize them as loss, it helps us not think something's wrong with me.
0: That is so true. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you. I mean, I think loss does come in many forms, and I know you have that on your website. Do you have people that come in who, you know, maybe had got divorced or had other forms of loss that warrant death?
1: Absolutely, all the time. And almost all the time on Thursday night, if, if almost every retreat has a combination of many different kinds of losses. And some people come for uh, X loss, but because all loss is in context of your entire life, this loss back here that you've never dealt with, it could be a sexual abuse you've never told anybody. It could be that, that dramatic. It could be uh, a father slapping you and, and, and you've never forgotten it. Uh, you know, it could be a, a drunken mom who left the family. Uh, it could be your parents' divorce. It could be a hundred different things. But that loss impacts how you deal with this loss. So many times people come for this loss, but they work on that loss, which enables them to work more on this loss. And usually the number one thing that happens there is usually, I say the number one thing, it's usually a dad, I call it a daddy hole, something about dad, or it could be an abusive situation. Sometimes it is the father, sometimes it's a stepfather, sometimes it's a grandfather. Uh, But we have seen, in every retreat, and our retreats are small, from anywhere from 6 to 16 people, we try to keep it under under 16 or under for the effect of the small group. Uh, in almost every retreat, people come working on this loss, but they end up working on another loss because they do their loss journey, and they have to write down all the losses, both good and bad, that they can remember. We teach them methods to do that, many different kinds of methods to do that. But that's a very eye-opening exercise. And then uh, I was trained in my counseling and systems theory, marriage and family therapy. And uh, systems theory is every, we're all in a system. And so uh, you know, if I'm in this system and you take a kid and try to get, uh, get him fixed, the kid gets out of his family system. He got, let's say he has a drug problem and gets fixed. He comes back into the same system. He's liable to go back into the same behavior patterns. So you, you work with the whole system, not just the one event. So that really helped us uh, deal with uh, this philosophy of all losses are in context of other losses. And in fact, in our marriage work, it's the same thing. All relationships are in context of other relationships. So the problem you and your spouse might be having might have to do with the problem you and your dad had or previous relationships that you never dealt with. And then when you hear people's story, you go, oh my goodness, maybe my wife isn't a B-I-T-C-H. Maybe my husband isn't a cold-hearted control freak. I mean, he might act like a control freak, but maybe there's a reason. Maybe I understand his story, her story. Same thing with grief. So when I understand the story, so I got to see my story. I mean, this stuff is so good, isn't it? (laughs) It's just... That's amazing. it, It is. And it's like... It really works, though, see? and, and when, So people just need to be loved and accepted and given some tools, and then they have the power to take it. It's not us. It's, it's the people. They're the heroes of our story. It, it's not the leaders. It's the, it's the people who are broken and, and in grief.
0: How did you come up
1: with the name? I love that, Spark of Life. We're about life, not death. Sometimes people need a spark to get to life and it was a friend of ours who helped us get started and it was his uh, when he said when we approached him to be he had lost a son uh, to be part of this he said can we name it spark of life and the last thing he he had experienced with his son was at a Christmas Eve service where they had one candle lit and it lit all the others and his son said something about Boy, it's just a spark of life. Uh, one little spark leads to this big light. Spark of life, and I said, "Well, I think it's a great name. It it depicts exactly what we want to do. We want to spark. We we can't fix people, but we can spark them. And sometimes just an encouraging word can spark somebody. So so we're the spark of life. I had a well-known author. I was at a conference. I won't tell you who he is. <laughs> he so anyway, we were talking over coffee one day. So what do you do? I said, well, we do spark of life. He said, what's spark of life? I said, well, we work with those who are grieving and our, our, uh, our goal is to help them find hope after loss. He said, well, you can choose to do what you want to do, but I choose to deal with life, not death. I said, I guess you didn't really listen to what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're spark of life. We're not spark of death. We deal with life at its very core Right. We see real life come. We see people come to life when they think they can't have any hope for living again. And so he just didn't get it. But he's a good guy. Good guy. I still read his books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we should send him this interview. <laughs> I'm a little
1: angry at him when I read his books. <laughs> he was pretty cocky and arrogant, but that's OK. He's a good guy.
0: David, this has been so amazing. I mean, you're just... I mean, I'm so passionate, obviously, about this topic. And I think what you're doing is amazing. Is there anything you wanted to add today? And then, of course, tell us all the ways we can find out, because I got to do one of these retreats.
1: Yeah, you you do. Well, sparkoflife.org. You know, we're here to help. We have an, an incredible team of people. We're 501c3. Uh, we're not a religious organization. We accept people. from. Now, I'm a Christian myself. I make no apologies for that. But we, make, we don't put any pressure. We're not here to make you think or believe the way we believe. We've had uh, people from all walks of life, from 46 states, from Australia, Nigeria, England, Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Canada. Uh, we've been asked to go to South Africa, Australia, London, uh, because wow. of finances we can't. I mean, of course, COVID really put a damp on a lot of stuff, but we're recovering from that. But sparkoflife.org, we're here to walk beside you and we want you to know you have the power within yourself to find hope after loss. You have that power and we want to encourage and empower and equip you to embrace grief. We we changed our our little slogan, we want to embrace grief. We But we want to fight against debilitating effects of grief. We want to defeat grief in the sense of not eliminating it because it's good, but not letting it debilitate you and destroy you. And then we want to help you develop a new relationship with grief, which is pretty new language for us, a new relationship with grief, to appreciate grief. I don't like it. It sucks. It stinks. But it will not defeat me. That And when you feel defeated and feel like quitting, it's okay to feel that way. Feeling helpless and hopeless does not mean you are helpless and hopeless. And imprint that in your brain if you're listening to this. Feeling helpless and hopeless and wanting to give up and thinking you're going to give up does not mean you're helpless and hopeless. Because we've seen, we've seen 1,600 people up close and personal for three days that felt all those emotions. And by Sunday, they are living with hope.
0: That is beautiful.
1: It, it is so cool. You make me excited. Wanting to get, <laughs> I want to do more <laughs> retreats. So go to sparkalife.org. We want to walk with you. And we have an incredible team. Our, our grief coaches, they, they've all been it, through it, man. And, and they're not haughty or arrogant. And we don't think we know everything about we don't know everything. But we do know there's hope to live forward. Uh, with meaning and purpose
0: see i love that this has been amazing david thank i'm you. so thrilled that you came on naturally seven. Oh, it you. means a lot
1: thank you thank you so much lisa you've been wonderful and you've encouraged me to do keep doing this
0: work